We are talking about Mission Possible. And this is focused toward next Sunday when Alton Garrison will be with us and will talk to us about missions outside of our person, outside of perhaps even our neighborhood. And that's going to be a service that will, will be a watershed, I believe, in this congregation in our future. Now, let me, let me just go for this. Uh, Mission Possible is so named because it's built around Jesus. So if Jesus is involved and it's his will, it's entirely possible that this is going to happen. He came to this earth and talked about why he was here. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. I didn't come to be served, but to serve and give my life a ransom. He said, uh, I have to preach the good news of the kingdom to the other towns. He said, I've, I've come to bring a fire on the earth. I came to seek and save that which was lost. And the verse after the golden text of the Bible reads, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus later in the book of John says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And in the first letter to Timothy, the apostle Paul says, It's just very, very clear. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. If you ever committed a sin, you're in the circle that drew Jesus into this world. His mission is all of these things and others that I didn't list, but he intends to bring life to people who are clobbered by life. Now, clobbered is a theological term. You'll recognize that. Life just knocks the sound out of you. Have you noticed? And you were trying to tend to your own business and, and have a halfway good attitude and be about halfway good person, and the roof fell in. Not to mention what happened to you when you didn't give a rip and were just ripping and tearing. That life makes you pay very quickly in those circumstances. But life, bad things happen to good people because there is sin in this whole deal. And sin, if you're, if you're not familiar with that term, is a self-centered uh, me, my, I thing that draws us in and makes us treat other people badly when they really should be treated well. It's one of those things that says, uh, it's about me, it's about what I want. You can do anything you want to as long as it has no negative effect on me. And you're all like that. I'm not, but you are. Or something like that. It, the truth's in there somewhere. Now, the deal is, Jesus came on a mission. He came to shoot an arrow at the target of God, which reads, eternal redemption for everyone who will believe. And he hit that target dead center. 
he nailed it. When he was on the cross, he said, it's finished. That word in the original language is the phrase that the general would cry when the war was won and it was just a mopping up operation after that. It is finished. It comes from the Greek root that talks about the end and that sort of thing. So Jesus did the impossible. He brought it and made it possible. We were separated from God. He drew us very close by his blood, the scripture says. We were condemned. Our hearts called us everything but nice people. And our heart was right. And now we have a clear conscience and can look straight in the face of God. And if you're not there, plan on getting there. If you're walking with Jesus, he is going to make you so confident in the presence of God that you can look in the eyes of God and welcome him to look through you. Not because you are so wonderfully disciplined and holy, but because he makes you clean. And when he makes you clean, honey, you're clean. If he cleanses from all sin, he can look through you and there is no sin to see. Boy, it's good. It gets better. You understand that more fully. The first time you hear that, it's like that's too good to be true. But you try to believe it and you try to believe it and it grows and it grows. And if, if you're like I am, I've been working at this for a long time. It continues to grow and it's getting better. Hallelujah. Stick with him. Now, Jesus called us to partner with him in his mission. This is one of the most astounding things. Now, if you grew up with this self-esteem that says, I can do anything, just let me at it. Then this is not as meaningful to you as it is to some of us who had perfectionistic parents, which means you could do a pretty good job, but it wasn't perfect. And it wasn't perfect. And the goal is perfection in some parents' minds. So you, you struggle and you, you, you feel inadequate. And, and uh, if you're like I was, I felt inadequate at it, uh, academically. So I would take advanced math and, and Latin and all these things that a um, little bit iffy about their value. And uh, to prove how smart I am. Because I didn't feel smart. And I don't know what it feels like to feel smart. And you know what? The Lord just takes you dumb as you feel. As much a failure as you feel. As unable to do anything of, of value as you feel. He just takes you and says, uh, I, need, I need your partnership. Let's go do this together. Notice this verse. In 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, for we are God's fellow workers. Now, we want that to be what the rest of this verse says. For it is, you are God's field, you are God's building. But that first part of that verse doesn't say that. That first part of that verse says, you are shoulder to shoulder in the field working with God on the crop. You still don't believe that. Uh, 
I'm God's field. I'm God's workmanship. He's working on me. Hallelujah. Well, yes. But he gets down beside you and participates with you and does the same kind of stuff that he calls you to do right in the field. You know, I worked for a farmer as a teenager in northern Oklahoma, a huge farm, big operation, and I wasn't very skilled. I could drive a tractor. That's not rocket science. And so I did that, and I could scoop wheat. And I, and, but you know what? That, the owner of that farm and that field and that and that equipment, we call it the equipment shed, it was a monster barn and he had two self-propelled combines in there. It was a big operation. And when something, when, when it was raining outside and we couldn't work outside, we'd go in and work in the shed. And I've seen him take a fence post. We need to move this plow. And this thing probably didn't weigh more than a thousand pounds, I wouldn't think. He'd take a fence post and just scoot it over, you know, just he we worked alongside him. Now I knew that he was the boss. He knew he was the boss. He knew that he owned the deal. I knew that he owned the deal. But it was kind of cool. We called him Uncle Doc. Uncle Doc just get in there. As a matter of fact, he had he had worked so hard at some of this stuff and so unwisely that he had herniated himself and he wouldn't go have surgery. So he was partly part of the time incapacitated. And it was, I, I wasn't glad about that, but it was neat to just be alongside and he could do stuff I couldn't do because he knew how and he was one of those that just did it. Now God has called you to work and you are probably as skilled at his work as I was at wheat farming at age 14. And you know what that says to God? Nothing. I mean, whom does he have that is skilled? If they are, it's because he has worked with them for decades and they have tried really hard to listen to him and walk with him and do what he says. And so now they're more skilled than some of the others. But he starts, and you know how raw we are in the kingdom of God? Listen, don't do this thing, I'm not qualified. You're dead right. And, you know, we know you're not qualified. That's why Jesus had to die on the cross. You're not qualified. Stop this. I can't work for God because I'm whatever. Just stop that. Remember, Pastor John's sermon. Stop it. Now, the Lord intends for us to participate with him in the harvest field. And I was thinking about what we're doing next Sunday and how our hearts are going to be stretched and our faith is going to be empowered to bring the gospel message to places we will never ever visit and win souls in nations that we can't pronounce the name of very fluently okay God is calling us for that 
This is, this is just so exciting. Then that's around the world. And then, uh, as Jeremy mentioned, a couple days after that, we're going to have this, this banquet. And some of you have for years worked with God to bring people into the fellowship of the church for a meal that wouldn't come to a service perhaps but they need they need to know that we're real people they need to know that we uh, don't have horns or whatever other appendage is not appropriate and they just need to be brought in and you can do that Thanksgiving banquet that way this is a participation with God in the mission of Jesus Christ now early in Jesus ministry he had been healing early this morning I was uh, in the book of Matthew and these lines keep coming up Jesus they, they brought to Jesus all these who were ill and he's healed them all and he did all of this stuff they were the, they were these guys that brought a paralytic on a mat and when he saw their faith he just says your son your sins are forgiven fellow and got into a little bit of dutch for saying that but then he says you're healed get up and he got up now not long after that the lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go now this is a this is a fabulous picture and I need some uh, I need some guys to send uh, Garrett Johnny come help me now I'm choosing males because that's what Jesus did because in that culture the females didn't have have a place the Holy Spirit kind of opened that up later when he was taught when he was teaching that there's neither male nor female and so forth but Jesus sent out these males and he says okay guys now I'm going to be going toward um, Akko and I want you to go into all the little villages on the way and I want you to heal the sick and I want you to tell them that the kingdom of God is at is coming it's right at the door it's at hand and I want you to uh, tell them to change repent I want you to cast out demons travel light don't take don't even take a tr an overnight case and uh, you'll have to wash out your shirt every night I don't want you to take an extra shirt because they're gonna they're gonna offer you hospitality when you go into these villages and that's what I want you to do got it okay got it all right now so he sends them off thanks guys so he sends them off and they uh, they go and do what he says and they came back and it is the coolest scripture it's like Jesus do you know what happened even the demons were subject to us now you'd say that that's participating with Jesus in his mission would you say that 
Okay, this is an early on thing. Now, he, he gave a bunch more teaching. Then he went through the whole sacrificial ordeal, and this process produced uh, a picture of the redemption that God is providing to the world with the death, uh, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus. So here, it's all done, but, but before that was ever walked out by Jesus, there was this partnership, and he reaches out and gets these guys, and most of us would agree that the disciples were, were unlikely, most of them at least were unlikely. They were, uh, some of them were professionals, some of them were blue-collar, some of them were questionable as far as their criminal <laughs> anyway you know it's just not a great bunch it's just a bunch of us and so the Lord then reaches over puts his arm around them ordains them for this short for this short trip relatively short trip and sends them out so they come back all all pumped Woo-hoo-hoo. you would not believe Jesus this is so cool this is so great. Now we know that Jesus later said to this same, to part of this same bunch. We don't. We know there was a big overlap between the group that heard this and that seventy-two. He says, "Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you." So we just pick up the very mission that Jesus came from the Father. We just pick that up. And he has, he has his eye on us and is watching over us as we go to do his thing. Now, that is who you are. As the video said a minute ago, it's not about what we do when we come in this room and enjoy each other and this incredible worship team and these uh, outstanding musicians that help us Focus on the Lord. Help us release praise. They are so good, and that's important, but that's just a small piece of what God intends for us to do. Now, you knew that, didn't you? Somebody told you that before. That we are, together with the Lord, being sent out to do stuff. It has to be done at the house neighborhood, in the school or workplace, in the marketplace, when we are in the commercial operation of buying, uh, and everywhere else. That's who we are. That's what we do. We are on the mission of Jesus. No big news. No great revelation. You knew that. Those of you who think ahead in sermons knew that that's where I was headed. But I want to show you something here. These people that had cast out demons, had healed sick, had preached, get straight, the kingdom is on top of us. Get straight is, is vernacular for repent. Get straight. Live right. The kingdom is here. Jesus and some of the guys went up on the mountain for a day or two, and when they came down, uh, there was kind of a commotion going on because there was a demonized kid, 
And the disciples who had been sent out and could do demons couldn't do this demon. Call, call old Bartholomew. He does demons. Call James the Lesser. Call the other Judas. They do demons. Called them. They didn't do demons. Remember that? Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus coming down, trying to do a demon. Couldn't. And so Jesus shows up and does a little bit of developmental work in the father of this, this poor victim here. And I love the way Jesus can just in a moment of time bring forth something that is priceless. This guy says, we, we, we brought my son to you, to your disciples. They do demons, only they couldn't do this one. If you can do anything, please help us. Does that sound like a dad? I like this guy. I mean, he brought his kid to the right place, only they weren't doing it. But Jesus took a moment, just less than 60 seconds, probably, and said, what do you mean if you can do anything? All things are possible if you believe. All things are possible. All things are possible. There is no demon you can't do if you believe. And this guy got the message. He says, I'm trying, I'm trying. I've, I've got some faith. Help me with this rest of me that's unbelief. Oh, I love that. You know I love that. I've mentioned that how many hundreds of times. That is the way to respond when you can't get a breakthrough in prayer. God, I'm not believing well. Would you help me here? Boy, he is drawn by humility. You get down off your high horse and how you can do this and do that and the other thing and say, Lord, we need your help and we need it here. And now if you don't come, it's not going to happen because I can't believe it correctly. He doesn't say, get out of my face. He does the demon. I love it. Do you love that? That just gives me goosebumps. It's like the door is open. And it's not, bless God, we've got the word. We'll speak it and demons will tremble. No, they'll speak and I'll tremble. But I'm not running. And I'm going to stay here and say, Lord, you better come help me because I can't do this. Help my unbelief. Greatest prayer. Mm. It may not be the greatest prayer. It's a good prayer. Don't forget it. Help my unbelief. I use it all the time early in the morning when I'm praying, Lord, I forgive me of this and that and the other. And then as I forgive and then I think of something. And every once in a while there's somebody that I don't like. I don't want to forgive them. And I can say, in the name of Jesus, I forgive them. And then I say, now, Lord, you know that's not true. I don't forgive them. I want to forgive them, but I don't like them. I don't want to mess with them. I, if, if I could just not think about them, it'd be okay, but it'd be also okay if something bad happened to them. I don't like them. But I want the heart of Jesus Christ. You forgave me, and I'm far worse off than they. Would you help me? And so far, 
100%, 100% of the time, he has helped me. That's the same prayer. Help my unbelief. Folks, God is calling us to a life that is as tied in with Jesus as it can be. When we are one with Jesus, when we are hanging on him, when we are desperate for his release of life in us, we will be victorious. The disciples got Jesus alone after he did the demon that they couldn't do. And ask him about it. And he said, it's a faith issue. You don't have enough. Now, I think their heart must have been similar to the father who got the victory that day with his kid. Because Jesus continues on, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. What is God calling you to do? What is the issue out here? What is the mission that God has for you? It, it's going to be as different across this room as our thumbprints are unique. Don't compare yourself to me or to anyone else. God has a call on your life and he is going to get in your face and in your heart and satisfy that as you work together with God in his field.